Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Lapse Factor Podcast. What is up, lacrosse fans? You're watching episode 128 of the Lax Factor Lacrosse Podcast. Today, we are going to talk about TD Erlen entering the transfer portal. Uh, we're going to talk about the Ivy in general and how things aren't looking good for the Ivy. Uh, we got word that Dox Aitken is coming back to UVA. He was with uh, Villanova football in the fall, and now he's going to be coming back and joining Virginia uh, supposedly uh, this week or next week. So lots of big news. So we'll give you a quick little bonus episode here in the middle of the week. Before I get into it, as always, be sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell. And if you want to support us, Beyond that, you can always go to laxfactor.com. You can get yourself podcast-related swag. You can get yourself just regular old lacrosse T-shirts. We have we have shorts apparel. Oh, that's the backside of them. We've got crazy shorts, things like that, new designs coming all the time. So go to laxfactor.com, support us that way. But as always, just share the video. Share the video, uh, interact, uh, send us questions. You can see, uh, I believe it's in... This corner up here tells you how you can actually submit audio questions. So we're kind of compiling those and we'll put those on the show more often, especially once we get into the season. But I digress. Let's get into the news for the um, for the day here. TD Erlen entering the transfer portal. Uh, so that's big news. Now let's be let's be measured here. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, we don't know yet if Yale's going to decide to play. If the Ivy is going to put the kibosh on all things Ivy League lacrosse, we don't know what's happening. What we do know so far, it looks like, is Harvard. I had word back in December that Harvard, uh, the players had already known they weren't playing. So that's kind of been going on for a while. So in that case, it looks like the school, whether they were just assuming they weren't playing and letting the kids know, or it was an official decision at that point, hey, we're not playing. We're just not going to announce it yet. I'm not sure what they were doing, but it looks like Harvard gave the kids notice. Princeton, we saw earlier in the fall, uh, talking about how they had a lot of players opting out. So it looks like Princeton sat down and really did work with their players to make sure they had a fair shake and a good and easy time making the decision as to what they wanted to do um, for the spring semester. And it's not about transferring away from the Ivy. I've got a lot of people being like, oh, well, who cares about lacrosse? They're going to get an Ivy League education. It's That's not what it is about for all these players. In the Ivy, you can't redshirt. So in the Ivy, if you want to kind of redshirt and you want to still continue to play lacrosse and get all your years of eligibility in, you have to take a leave of absence. So in the Ivy, once you graduate, you're done. You can't play anymore. You, you don't get a graduate year or something like that to play your final year out. So in Ivy, what's been done where players have wanted to stay, make sure that they get all four years in like a Rob Pinnell scenario is they've withdrawn from school for a semester they take their leave and then they come back into school and then they graduate you know that following year or whatever and and they get to play that year I don't know the mechanics exactly but it's not about transferring for all of these kids now in TD's case he's not trying to transfer out I don't even think this spring you're going to hear some noise because we have construction going on so I, I apologize for that but I wanted to get this news out for sure so uh, somebody like TD, he's supposedly still going to graduate from Yale, and then if they didn't have a season and he doesn't get 
to play, he may transfer and play a graduate year somewhere else. He'd still have the eligibility. So that's why he's entering the portal. This isn't a kid trying to just bolt from Yale, throw away the chance to get a Yale degree. That's stupid. That is not what he's doing. So everybody just relax. But uh, it's crazy because, first off, if Yale plays, TD is going to be playing for Yale. That, that, that's, it sounds like he just wants to have a chance to play in 2020 or, you know, a chance to play that final season out no matter where it is. And he's just trying to hedge his bets here. Um, the kid is a three-time All-American, four-time All-American if you count 2020 because I think they did vote on All-Americans last year. He'll be a first-team All-American in 2021 if they play. You can take that to the bank. Twarton nominee in 2018, Twarton finalist in 2019, 76% face-off percentage over the shortened season in 2020. Uh, NCAA best, 79.1% in 2018 while at Albany. He'll, he won't top that. He's not going to top 79.1, especially not with the new rules. I don't think the new rules are going to play into the face-off win percentages as much as people think, but we'll talk about that in another episode. Dude's got 1,159 face-offs, one over his career. So, I mean, I hope Yale plays, and I hope that if Yale plays, that TD stays there. Otherwise, you know, Jamie Tromboli needs to be getting on the phone with TD saying, hey, man, how would you like to play a year of graduate school at Syracuse, which we know that's not going to happen either, probably. But anyway, uh, I hope they play. I hope they play. I hope it works out for TD. You could tell this is just a kid that just wants to get his lacrosse in. And uh, and the Ivy League as a whole is not helping him. It appears that Yale hasn't necessarily helped him, although I don't want to speculate that that's the case. Maybe he's being well cared for there, and maybe that's part of this decision. So I, I even tend to dump on the Ivies in terms of the admins, but in terms of the lacrosse coaches and the players, they're not in control of this. Even the athletic, uh, the athletic directors aren't completely in control of this. So we just kind of have to watch and hope, hope for the best for those kids, but it's certainly going to hurt the Ivies long-term. I would say, you know, you don't, you have Harvard already seemingly not playing Princeton, seemingly not playing. I thought Yale was going to play, but you got TD now entering the portal. Um, so, and then you have that Ivy league non-committal letter where they didn't tell anybody shit about anything. It's not good overall. I think that's going to definitely affect Ivy league sports overall for the next handful of years. Um, Maybe not a handful, but at least for the next two or three because their recruiting is going to be down a little bit. You're going to have a lot of kids that are going to see what has happened last uh, spring, which happened to everybody. But then this spring, if other if other conferences play and other teams play and the Ivy doesn't, that has to hurt the Ivy League a little bit in recruiting. I don't, I don't, I don't think it'll be scorched earth, though. I think they're going to end up being okay in the long run. I think it'll just be a little blip on the radar for a bit. Their quality of play will be down just a touch over the next couple of years, and then I think it'll things will resume and go back to normal. Um, but what I will say is it does look like, at least on the surface right now, like Harvard and Princeton have been the most upfront and honest with their team, but we do not know if that's the case. For all we know, Brown, Yale, all of them have had t- constant conversations with these kids trying to help them get ready to make this decision, and it looks like it's the league and the school administrators that are kind of leaving the kids in the lurch. So let's not dump this on the ADs. Let's not dump this on the coaches. Uh, let's not even dump on the players for making whatever decisions they choose to make. It, it's a tough decision for everybody, but it, it is apparent that the guys at the highest level are the ones that are dropping the ball and are kind of fucking these kids over a little bit. Biggest news, I think, not the yet, yeah, even bigger, I would say, than TD possibly entering the transfer portal, because what does that really do to, to the landscape of 2021? I mean, if Yale doesn't play, TD's news isn't that big of a deal. 
So real big news, and it, it will affect a team in a conference, is Docs Aitken returning to Virginia to play here in this 2021 season. He had left to play football at Villanova, but the football season gets nuked, and there is no football for Docs. So Docs is apparently rejoining his teammates here this week in Charlottesville. Uh, so that makes that makes UVA better immediately. I did see a couple of detractors talking smack about UVA struggles and how Docs con- uh, contributed to those struggles with a 20, what was it, a 20.9% shooting percentage. Um, I, I, I think that what you see with a lot of players, especially really good players that get keyed on in terms of defenses trying to scheme for them, is throughout their careers, their shooting percentages typically drop a little bit. I don't have any stats on me, but I want to say I remember talking about this for Pat Spencer, that his shooting percentage you know, drastically declined the year that everybody had to pay attention to him. And he was the man. He was the man from his freshman year on. I remember talking about that with Spencer too, but the kicker being as you get more attention and draw more attention, draw more heads, you draw more slides, automatic slides, you draw more double teams, your shooting selection is going to go down a little bit. And a lot of times these guys are the anchors for offense or for at least their offensive units. And they end up taking a lot of shots and, it is what it is. The guy's shooting percentages decrease. But what people also don't see is how, yes, Pat Spencer's shooting percentage decreased over the course of his career. Dox Aikens has decreased a lot. You see Dox's go in 2017 as a freshman, 36.7. As a sophomore, he starts getting keyed on a little more, 32.25. Um, as a junior, 30.8. And then last year as in his senior year, his quasi-senior year, 20.9. Now, he would have shored that up. 20.9 was early in the season. I would presume that as the season wore on, he would start finding his his niche a little bit. What was happening was he loses Ryan Conrad. He loses Conrad off that first line. So you had two midfielders that demanded poles on, on at sharing the field at any given time, and who you had to decide who were you going to pull. There was times where Conrad was the best midfielder on that team. Conrad was the best midfielder in the country that year. Um, but there was times offensively where Conrad finally looked like what you had hoped he was going to look like by his senior year. He looked like a filthy point scoring offense generating machine. So Doc's his senior year is now playing without that. Teams are putting the pole, the best pole. Teams are are keying on Doc's team, especially with uh, you know, just making sure that if if someone on the midfield's going to beat him, it isn't going to be Doc's Aitken. And uh, I think you saw Cormier, uh, I think he benefited from the attention that Docs got because his shooting percentage was in the area of 50%. I don't want to take away from Cormier and say, hey, his shooting percentage is thanks to Docs Aiken, but his 50% shooting percentage definitely is helped by Docs Aiken drawing that pole and him getting to maneuver with a little bit less attention. Now, he ended up, I think, being their leading scorer, or their, at least definitely their leading scorer from the midfield, uh, Cormier did, because uh, Aiken, I think, was just 9-1. and one. Uh, by uh, the the shortened season's end, which was a lower output than expected for him. But who knows what else was at play. Um, But I don't think that's a big deal. I don't think that his shooting percentage was suffering in 2020 is that big of a deal because I think his low shooting percentage was simply going to be offset by other players who are getting less attention having higher shooting percentages, and that did seem to be the case. Um, career, you know, just in terms of points for anyone else, it's like, oh, I don't see how this changes the landscape for UVA that much. Dude, as a in 2020, nine goals and an assist um, in uh, his, over his career, 121 goals, 32 helpers. To pretend that doesn't help make a team drastically better is, is ignorant. 2019, 44 and 8. 2018, 39 and 12. 
as a freshman, 29 and 11. I mean, this dude has been one of the best midfielders in the country since his freshman year. And he, to me, he's probably, you transplant him back on UVA's team. I mean, he's the best midfielder. He's the best midfielder in the country right off the bat, I believe. I mean, I, I don't know. He, 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 I guess everybody missed a fall. I'm sure he's had a stick in his hand a little bit, you know, not necessarily with the team and everything like that. But uh, to pretend that this doesn't take UVA, in my mind, UVA was in hanging in the area of third or fourth in the ACC, just based on Duke and Cuse getting everybody back. UVA had lost Michael Krause. They were going to lose Docs Aitken. So the fact that Syracuse got everybody back, Duke got everybody back and gained Mike Sowers and, uh, you know, a new goalie and everything like that. So I, I had Cuse at one and two in the ACC with UVA, UNC kind of shoring up those that bottom spot. The reality is the ACC is going to be a dogfight top to bottom. Notre Dame got a lot better. UNC hung tight, and they're just going to be really high-quality and offensive scoring machines. Defensively is where UNC needs to prove themselves. UVA, they were going to be solid defensively, aggressive defensively. You throw Docs on, now they're right back in there. Cuse, as long as they get through this little issue with are these guys going to play or going to be able to play or not, that's going to... Uh, you know, as long as they get all those guys back, like the ACC top to bottom is going to be a dogfight. It is going to be, I think, impossible for even Duke to get out of ACC play undefeated. I don't think we'll see. I think every ACC team is going to lose a conference game. I think m- probably f- four of the ACC teams are going to lose at least two games. It's just going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy in the Big Ten, too. It's not just the ACC that's going to have this problem. Big Ten especially at the top, they're going to beat each other up. ACC is going to beat each other up. If the Ivies had played, they would have beat each other up. Uh, the conference play is going to be super important. And some of these higher, these bigger conferences that have a bunch of ranked teams, ACC had every team ranked in the top 10 in some polls. Uh, the Big Ten had the bulk of, you know, at least the top half of their conference ranked in all the polls. Um, these guys are going to hurt each other's playoff shots to a chance because if you go one and four in the ACC and then you you know play a decent non-conference schedule and have a hard time there, you you could be a legitimate top fifteen, top twenty team and still not make the playoffs because of this weird COVID schedule. So that is going to be, I say it all the time, something's going to be interesting to see how it plays out, but that's the truth on this. I mean, to see what happens with these schedules and how that plays into wins and losses and then playoff hopes for teams by the season's end, especially where the conferences are beating each other up. ACC, Cuse is playing uh, UVA and Notre Dame twice. I feel like that's a, a better better than if they had to play Duke twice. So who, I don't even know who's going to end up having to play Duke twice, but poor, you know, woe is them uh, for the most part. And that's the truth. So uh, I just wanted to get it. What else we got here? Do we got anything else? Uh, we're not going to go through anything else. I just wanted to get a short episode out to kind of talk about the news that was out there for us here to talk about uh, uh, today. It's a Wednesday evening, but I'm uh, going to put this out here Thursday morning. So that is it. As always, be sure to like, subscribe, come back Sunday morning. We'll have a, 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 the, the full show again Sunday morning. We'll talk a little bit more about all of this. And uh, we're going to probably talk uh, this weekend just about what you guys missed in terms of the off season as we're starting to approach the, the current new season. Uh, Lacrosse Bucket, Tanner over at Lacrosse Bucket put out his top 25. So I was going to rip through and cut Tanner up a little bit. This is always fun. Uh, so as always, be sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell. Uh, if you want to listen to the audio version, go to anchor.fm forward slash laxfactor or anywhere 
where you get podcasts. You can go to laxfactor.com, get swag, and uh, support the channel that way. But really, just share the hell out of this video. And uh, I will be back Sunday in the morning. So uh, all of you enjoy. Be safe. And uh, Hoost is... Thank <laughs> you.